Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, um, guess what we're going to be talking about today? (laughs) Uh, Yes, you guessed it, coronavirus. But I'm going to be talking about something that you probably have not, well, I can guarantee you have not heard at least uh, part of this and probably most of it, if not all of it, because this is the ultimate. We're going to be talking about what I call COVICIDE, C-O-V-I-C-I-D. That's a combination of COVID and suicide. It is um, the ultimately the worst thing that is happening from the coronavirus scourge. Um, and it is not because it is not, you know, we're not talking about being infected by the virus, uh, although, you know, presumably there may well have been or be people committing suicide. Well, actually, that is, I mean, once they get into the hospital, um, it is unlikely that they are going to be committing suicide, but there are people, and I'm going to tell you about some of them, who, after having been uh, tested and tested positive, they then decided to commit suicide. So, um let me tell you, first of all, what COVID-side, how I've defined COVID-side. Um, it means when fear and desperation related to coronavirus causes you to commit suicide. Um, you know, if you think, if you're listening to this and you think that this is uh, preposterous, <laughs> you haven't been reading the papers um, or listening to the news, although quite frankly, uh, I, I haven't actually heard about it on television or radio, but um, I have seen some articles about individuals who have been, uh, who have committed suicide, and one article about suicide, but um, this is sort of the secret, you know, the hidden part of coronavirus. Well, let me um, tell you, you you can look at a previous show that I've done, uh, and I actually did an encore of it, so you can find it twice in the archives of my show at Voice America, where I talk about coronavirus stress syndrome. I defined 10 symptoms of coronavirus stress syndrome and say that if you have at least three of them, then you have the syndrome. Of course, since then, um, some of the things that I had as symptoms of an overreaction to coronavirus, uh, which would be the stress syndrome, um, are now things that we are being told to do. So the world has been turned topsy-turvy, and in particular, I'm talking about the number 10 symptom, which was someone who decides to stay at home until the pandemic passes. That, at the time that I wrote this uh, coronavirus stress syndrome, that was March 1st, and uh, at the time, that seemed 
you know, like, uh, oh, well, that's kind of ridiculous. Why would somebody, that's an overreaction. Why would somebody do that? And now we're being told to do it. And I am not one who is um, uh, thinking that that's all great, (laughs) that we're being told to um, isolate. Uh, It's going to have some negative effects on people. And including one of the possibilities, the of course the worst possibility that this isolation can have, uh, is causing somebody to commit suicide. So I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that. Um, but all through, ever since the, the real concern about coronavirus, which was around uh, March 1st, you know, when we started hearing a lot more about it and everybody started paying attention to it and... Um, You know, ever since then, I have been telling people that we are scaring ourselves to death. And by that, I meant that all the people who were developing the symptoms of coronavirus stress syndrome, uh, who were stressed, you know, scared uh, because of it, that the fear uh, and the stress that the fear causes and these symptoms and so on, stress weakens your immune system. So all of the people who were feeling this significant stress, uh, freaking out, stressed out because of coronavirus, that really what they were doing was just weakening their immune system and paradoxically making themselves more vulnerable to catching coronavirus. Because the deal is that scientists, doctors, you know, you hear lots of different opinions, (laughs) Um, but nobody at this point is 100% sure of, for example, what distance is the proper social distance. If you stay six feet from people, is that really enough to stop you from catching the coronavirus? I mean, you can't really say because, um, you know, it's probably an estimate of how far a person's cough or sneeze goes. You know, if somebody is really (laughs) coughing, you know, a, a big cough, and uh, it could go further than six feet um, or, or less. You know, so these are all, and then, of course, when it's not convenient, people then say that the uh, social distancing should only be three feet or, or some people are saying it should be 15 feet. So we don't know things like that. We also don't know things like um, how long coronavirus stays active on each particular surface. I mean, they've been doing studies on that and so on, but really we're still in the early stages of knowing these things for certain. So you could be six feet, let's say, from somebody. You could go into a room and you could be six feet from people and think you're doing great. And then it may have turned out that somebody was in that room before you who had coronavirus, and the coronavirus was sitting on some surface there. And even though nobody else in the room um, had coronavirus, it was left over from before, and you um, happened to walk into that room, and you were exposed to it. So 
the only thing that you can do for sure, you can have no control really, or, you know, I think it's somewhat of an illusion of how much control we have over uh, the coronavirus, but you, to the extent that you can't control that, what you can control is how healthy you make and keep yourself. And by that I mean um, how strong you can make your immune system, how, how healthy you can make your body uh, in other ways as well, how healthy you can make your mind. And, um, and these are basically the things like uh, working on lowering your stress, you know, not watching uh, a million hours of television each day and hearing about how we're all going to die, um, and doing the basic healthy things like washing your hands, eating nutritious food, taking vitamins, taking supplements for immunity, um, uh, what else, getting enough sleep, getting enough exercise. Those are the basic things that probably your mother or father told you about or should have, <laughs> and that is really what you need to be focusing on, not how, what the death rate is today. I mean, how many people died today in, in your country? <laughs> I mean, and, and how close were they to you? How many people in your town uh, tested positive for coronavirus? Like right now, in America, because there are so many more tests being given, there are so many more people who are showing up as positive, people who were, didn't have symptoms. And so now everybody's freaking out, oh, my God, there are thousands of people who are positive for coronavirus. Well, you know... <laughs> These are people, most of them did not have a clue that they had it, um, had no symptoms or very or minor symptoms, which could have been, or they certainly were, it's understandable that they thought that it could have been just a simple old cold or a simple old flu. Actually, the flu is not so simple and old. <laughs> it is more lethal than coronavirus and has killed more in this flu season, the 2019 to 2020 flu season, there have been already over 16,000 Americans who have died. 16,000. You don't see people on television, you know, screaming and ranting about how 16,000 people died from regular old flu. Because that isn't as sexy or isn't going to get as many people to tune in as talking about coronavirus. It's much easier to scare people about coronavirus. So... That is, um, that is the environment that we're living in. So getting back to COVID-side and why people might want to kill themselves. First of all, um, this is, if you remember 9-11, I'm sure you all remember 9-11. Um, do you remember how there were people jumping out of the Twin Towers when they were struck? because they felt that the world was coming to an end, at least their world as they knew it. Um, it was a shock. It, was, um, it seemed like there was no way they were going to live through it. Um, they, and they, they wanted to take some kind of decisive action, and it was just they didn't want to live in a world that um, had such a thing happen. Uh, where something like that could destroy life in, in such a powerful way 
they didn't want to be involved in it. And plus, you know, they thought they were going to die as when the towers fell because, you know, the, the top of the, the building was burning. So that was part of it, too. There were also suicides in the weeks following 9-11 because of of the after effects, you know, the the aftershocks, so to speak. And the overwhelming tragedy and uncertainty of coronavirus is spurring a similar mindset to 9-11 and the mindset in the people who jumped from the towers or committed suicide in the weeks after. So that kind of um, tragedy of inconceivable proportions and also the imminent fear of death is what drove them to it. Now, with coronavirus, um, this is another reason why um, people are committing suicide. That is that you probably or you may have seen or read or heard about the horrible, lonely deaths that patients with COVID-19 suffer because they're quarantined and they can't have their relatives, their loved ones, at their bedside because, of course, um, it's too dangerous, you know, for the loved ones to, there's too much risk of the loved ones catching it from them. So they have been, re- I mean, you know, I think that, that is the worst part of it um, uh, besides the physical symptoms and besides the, the, just the idea of death. Um, I think the worst part is dying alone and not having your loved ones near you. And, uh, you know, it's not a, and it's a relatively slow death um, once you get into the hospital and are in critical condition like that. So, in other words, you have time to contemplate what's going to be happening to you. So, that's, um, so, so all of us who have heard about these horrible, lonely deaths don't want to die alone. And that's another reason why people are committing suicide. Now, forced isolation, that is a biggie. Isolation in itself, way before coronavirus, uh, isolation, studies have shown that isolation in itself causes people to have physical and psychological reactions. Physical reactions in that it is another kind of stress. So, like I was talking about before, um, it... Um, weakens the immune system, it um, causes uh, organs, you know, to, to become ill, like heart attacks and stroke and things like that, um, um, hormonal problems, uh, all kinds of physical problems. It's where your body is the most vulnerable and it attacks it, the, the isolation attacks it and makes that part of your body worse. Um, and a cousin of isolation and, uh, and what we're having, a lot of people are having now being forced to isolate is loneliness because many people live alone. And so when they're forced to isolate, uh, it's not only the isolation itself, but it's the loneliness. Those are two separate factors. But in studies, there have been studies that have shown that um, the death rate can be up to 
in people under those kinds of conditions, isolation and or loneliness. Now, the death rate for coronavirus is only 1%, even though I'm sure you've heard higher percentages, but that's when people figure in the death rates in countries like China and Italy. And so those countries where there is a higher death rate makes the global death rate higher than 1%. But in the United States, it is 1%. Why? Because we're not living one on top of each other and because we have better medical care. So um, isolation, um, also, of course, the key thing here for what we're talking about, COVID-side, um, besides the physical problems, are psychological problems like anxiety, depression, and, of course, uh, suicidal ideation, thoughts of suicide. When you're separated from reality, when you're isolated, you know, and, and especially if you're isolated and you're watching television all day, um, you know, that is definitely enough to make you want to kill yourself. Uh, you don't have to be crazy, in other words, to want to kill yourself when you keep hearing, especially if you just keep watching these things time after time after time, which I have been trying to warn you in my previous uh, show not to do, not to watch so many hours. You know, if you have to check in once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once at night, then fine. Um, things haven't changed that much, and um, you just need to check in to make sure the world is out there and then stop watching. Um, another problem that people have that may, because of coronavirus, that may make you want to kill yourself is um, being cooped up with a significant other who is abusive. Now, this for women, for having uh, men who are abusive uh, towards them, you know, perpetrating domestic violence, it brings a new meaning to the words, he's killing me. You know, there's nothing worse than being, well, (laughs) nothing worse. Um, Yes, there are obviously worse things like getting coronavirus, but it is, In terms of isolation, if you are isolated with someone who is abusive to you, that is incredibly stressful and dangerous, both psychologically and physically, and you need to remember that you can still reach out. I mean, there's, you know, to stay in that kind of a situation because your mayor or governor told you you're supposed to isolate, you're not supposed to go outside, would be ridiculous, ridiculous. So if you're cooped up with an abusive spouse or anyone who is abusive to you, you have lots of choices. You can call a friend or a family member, tell them what's going on, ask them to send the police. You can call 911 yourself. You can um, put on the television or music, make it loud and uh, so that the person can't hear you and just dial 911, set your phone up already uh, to be able to dial 911 very quickly and get out of that situation. I mean, it, you know, being worried about coronavirus when you have someone who is uh, beating you up doesn't make any sense. So, um, also, of course, another big one is because of the economic effects that coronavirus has had and and closing up stores and closing up whole industries 
and lo- people losing jobs, people losing careers. Like, I don't think there's going to be a big call for uh, cruise ship captains for a while, for example. Uh, or if you are an entrepreneur uh, and you're not able to do the usual kinds of marketing that you do because people are cooped up. I mean, there, you know, there is, uh, I love the, the, the phrase, necessity is the mother of invention, because it, it is amazing. I mean, there are ways, of course, to market things on the Internet. Whatever it is that you do, there are, you, you should start to try to be creative and f- figure out if there is something else um, that you, some other way to use your skills, um, some other way to market, some other way to, you know, and, and even if you're a big shot <laughs> at work, and you don't have much money saved because oftentimes big shots do spend more than they have. Um, or there's the golden handcuffs, you know, the people who have make a very nice salary or, or an entrepreneur who earns a lot of money. Um, but then you have lots of homes that you owe a mortgage on or one home, a big mortgage, uh, and other kinds of financial obligations. So if you're in that kind of a situation where you've, you've been made to cut down your hours, you're, for whatever reason, you've been fired or you've been, um, you know, your earning capacity has been cut down or, or totally demolished, then, you know, there are ads on television that, are calling for pizza delivery boys um, or men. <laughs> Anybody who can drive a car and carry a pizza can be a pizza delivery, or even a woman, of course, a pizza delivery person. Um, so you can kind of swallow your pride and do something like that. Then, of course, another reason why people are thinking of suicide uh, is because of the nonstop news about how we're all going to die. So if you keep here, I mean, that's the gist of all the news, newspapers, internet, television, radio, most, I shouldn't say all, because I've been doing a lot of interviews um, on, on, for print and radio um, and television. In fact, this morning I did an interview on, for television in Pakistan. I was very honored to do that. Um, you know, it, it really... It really shows you how we are one whole human family um, when you see that people in other countries, countries like Pakistan, are um, suffering too and worrying about the same things and needing to have the same kinds of information about stress and about what to do to keep yourself healthy and all of that. It just kind of brings it home. So... um, so I, I, I digressed because I, I started to say all the news tells you that you're going to die. Um, you know, clearly there have been news programs, radio, television, print, and so on, um, that where they have given me a voice where they're not trying to tell everybody the only message being you're all going to die. But for the most part, especially on television, that is the message, whether it's, it's not said in, usually in those words, but that's the message, and especially the more you watch, the more you get that underlying message, even if it's not said in those words. So if you keep hearing or be- and getting to believe that we're all going to die, um, then a lot of people, or some number of people, um, feel like they would rather take the decision 
if they're going to die anyway, they would rather take the decision of when and how they're going to die into their own hands. They would rather make that decision rather than being like sitting ducks waiting for a coronavirus to um, attack them. But of course, let me say it again, we are not all going to die. In America, there's only going to be about 1% of us who die. Uh, It might even well be be less than that. Now, of course, people who are older and people who have underlying medical conditions have to take even greater precautions um, than the average person. Although, you know, the studies, I mean, this is another example of how we don't really know things because I just read a study um, where it talked about how uh, a, a lot of it's men who are between 18 and 49 in this particular study who were the biggest victims. Um, so, you know, in China, um, it was older people, which is how we got that, you know, that's where that came from. Um, the the, the um, guide or guide, guidance that older people, and, and talking about older, we're talking about, we're not talking about 60. <laughs> like the governor of California where I live, oh, man, um, he's been putting down such ridiculous rules. Um, and it, one of them was, and I can't remember if it was 60 or 65, but he was telling, well, that was before he told everybody to stay at home. He started by telling everybody who was 60 or 65 to stay at home and also, of course, people who have underlying medical conditions. Um, I don't know how old the governor of California is. Apparently not 60, uh, I guess. Or if he is, then he's not supposed to be outside. I mean, people are just going, it is this kind of exaggeration out of fear, really. You know, fear, misinformation, not knowing how to, how to read the information, but um, this is what is causing us to panic and causing some people to want to commit suicide. So um, let me give you some examples. There was a man, you know, the headline of the um, New York Post uh, said, man jumps to his death from luxury Manhattan apartment. A 64-year-old man left to his death from a luxury apartment building in Manhattan. He left, left from the 16th floor window. He lived in a Tribeca Park apartment building on Chamber Street, which is a very uh, chic part of town. Very expensive building. <laughs> yes, luxury apartment building indeed. Um, perhaps, you know, was it, um, and this was on, at 11 at night on Friday night. Uh, he landed in a building's courtyard and was pronounced dead at the scene. So um, was it because he thought he had coronavirus? Was he, did he test positive um, with coronavirus? Did his, you know, whatever it is that allowed him to live in such an expensive building, um, did he see, you know, the stock market has been going crazy? Did he lose all his money in the stock market? Uh, I don't know the answer to this. Um, but clearly it had something to do with coronavirus. And so the post said it was not immediately clear why the man had jumped, though neighbors worried it might have been related to the state's new regulation around self-isolation. 
amid the coronavirus pandemic. You have to be mentally strong to take on isolation. The uncertainty of what's going to happen is scary, a woman said who was at the scene, um, who had been gone down to the street to smoke a cigarette and came across this man who had just dropped. Um, going to the other side of the world, India, there is a story about how two young men suspected to be coronavirus positive committed suicide. Um, they, one killed himself by cutting the veins of his neck and wrist, and he left a suicide note that said that he had been infected with the coronavirus. In a separate incident, another youth committed suicide by jumping before a train, a speeding train at a railway station. And right before he jumped in front of the train, he had told a railway employee at the station that he had been infected with COVID-19. So, you know, folks, in case there's anybody out there who was thinking on the exaggerator making this stuff up, Believe me, that is the tip of the iceberg, um, these, these uh, two examples. But, you know, I'm trying to show you that it's happening all over the world so that um, you understand, uh, you know, that, that, this is, that this is a very, a very uh, tragic outcome. It's one thing, and it's, of course it's tragic to to get coronavirus and to die from it, but it's even more tragic to die from things that could have been prevented, you know, um, could have been, uh, well, that, that things that were done sort of rashly, like this isolation for everybody, without, uh, that was maybe an overreaction to coronavirus, and then people committing suicide is an overreaction to whatever it is that has changed in their life because of coronavirus. Now, there have been other um, reports from other places, such as um, Michigan and Detroit in particular, um, where there's a 24-hour crisis hotline, and there has been a large increase in calls regarding coronavirus. Um, for example, one of the people answering the calls and the hotline said, people are scared for themselves and others, feeling trapped in, and in ways lost, not knowing what to do. And there was a particularly high suicide rate there. Um, and then in another state, just kind of randomly, uh, because I'm pretty sure this is happening in in all states that that hotlines are um, being, you know, many more calls are coming into hotlines than um, than before, and on top of that, um, these hotlines are short staffed and underfunded. They always are, but now uh, with people getting sick or people having to stay home, um, you know, if their children. Are, if, if the school's closed and their children are home, then they have to stay home. So there are lots of reasons why people who work at these hotlines, which are often, who are often volunteers, uh, might not be able to come in. So in Kentucky, for example, um, 
there was an uprise in in calls regarding coronavirus. One of the people said, uh, one of the workers said, a thing we were seeing a little earlier in the crisis was a general anxiety over the unknown. Now, as it goes on, we're seeing a secondary group of problems. How am I going to pay my bills? What happens if I lose my job? What if someone I love gets sick? So all of these things um, are reasons why uh, there, ha- there is this uptake and reasons why people who would never have imagined themselves committing suicide before are now thinking about it. Now, we can take a break. Um, uh, we can take a break now. And when we come back, I am going to talk about some of the things to look for in people, you know, you know and love, your friends, your relatives, uh, your coworkers, um, even if they're all home, <laughs> things, uh, risk factors and, and warning signs that um, someone may be thinking of suicide. And in fact, you can think about these things in regard to yourself as well. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey Alexa! Hey Google! Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Don't write yourself off yet. 
And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Um, you know, one thing in talking about isolation, for some people, and forced isolation, it's not like, you know, it's so funny because if, uh, when, when we are very busy, most of us are super busy, and we don't have time for anything, and we wish, you know, that we had time to read a book or take a walk or um, binge at our favorite TV show or, I don't know, all different kinds of things, do, sit and do crossword puzzles. Um, we wish we had time for that, but that is different. Like, if we want to spend a weekend, hold up, you know, doing things that we uh, had put off or wish we could do, we decided finally one weekend we're going to do it, that's different from being forced into isolation like we are being now. Um, it, it's kind of like people in jail and prison when they are forced into solitary confinement. It's a punishment for something, like typically it's a punishment uh, if you get into a fight with another inmate, they'll put you in solitary or other kinds of ways of breaking the rules and your punishment is to go into solitary confinement. So we're all being punished, it feels like, by being told to go to our rooms and stay there for uh, God knows how long. All right. I said I was going to tell you about the warning signs of suicide. Again, this is, um, I've, I've coined this term covicide, which means um, fear and desperation brought on by something related to the coronavirus. So, um, some warning signs include, if you, you know, you can think about this for yourself, but also think about it in terms of people you care about. If anyone is making threats or comments about killing themselves, uh, it could, they could be making a joke about it, oh, God, this is so awful, I'm, I think I'm going to kill myself. Or, it could be something like, I wish I wasn't here. This is so awful. I can't take what's going on in the world. I wish I wasn't here. I don't want to see how this is going to end. Those kinds of things. Then if someone is using increased alcohol or if someone is using drugs, um, you know, <laughs> just to show you the stupidity of uh, these rash rules that are being made in California, um, they, they had made a rule that restaurants had to close except if they were doing takeout. They could be open so that people could take out food. Okay, that's great. But, now, but they weren't allowed. The bars were closed. Places that just served liquor were closed. Now they made it so that restaurants um, could also serve liquor, not by you going there, presumably, to drink, but as part of what they are allowing you to take out. So this is great. People are going to be in isolation. They're going to be <laughs> drinking a lot of booze, and um, especially for domestic violence situations, you know, that's um, alcohol and domestic violence or alcohol and anger doesn't mix. And then, and then the other thing, um, another you know, a warning sign is aggressive behavior. Uh, because, because anger, when someone has extreme anger, um, the flip side of that is directing that anger inward 
you know, aggression is directing it outward towards other people. And then um, if they uh, direct it inward towards themselves, that could become suicide. Now, here are some warning signs of imminent danger. Someone putting their affairs in order and giving away their possessions. Saying goodbye to friends and family. That's kind of a big clue. Then someone having a mood shift from despair to calm. So one day they're, you know, ranting and raving about how awful this whole coronavirus situation is. And then the next day, they're just not saying much about it. They seem calm. That's because, that can be because, they have made the decision that they're going to kill themselves and they're not going to have to deal with this much longer. Then um, planning. Planning in regard to how they would kill themselves. So like, for example, uh, looking up things on the Internet for how to buy um, a gun or how to, or a knife, a big knife, or um, trying to steal or borrow or or pills, trying to, uh, you know, find some pills in the medicine cabinet or going to somebody else's medicine cabinet, looking to um, looking to to find what they need uh, to kill themselves. Of course, you know, doesn't ha- you can. You don't, it doesn't have to be like that. You can just uh, take a, a cord or a tie or something and, and um, <laughs> I'm not constructing you how to kill yourself, but we all know that there are other ways to kill oneself where that take, they take less planning. But now you also have to, if you're hearing somebody or you're even thinking about this in regard to yourself, um, you need to also think about people who are more vulnerable to carrying out a suicide attempt. And that would be someone who has a family history of suicide. If their mother or father or their aunt or their grandparent committed suicide, they will be at higher risk of committing suicide. Then, of course, substance abuse, drugs and alcohol, abusing that. Um, You know, when people are in an inebriated state, uh, an intoxicated state from drugs or alcohol where their thinking is muddier than normal and they're already depressed and feeling hopeless and helpless, then um, that they're more able to sort of let themselves go over the edge if they aren't able to think rationally. So, for example, the uh, typical example is someone who starts drinking um, I don't mean starts ever in their life. I mean, but one day, one day, one night, it starts drinking and um, starts combining it with pills. And then they may not be consciously planning on killing themselves, but the alcohol and the pills put them in such a state that they don't realize, you know, unconsciously they do want to kill themselves and they do end up having that happen. They end up taking too many pills, too much alcohol, and um, they end up killing themselves, even though they might have said right before that that they don't plan on it. Um, Then, of course, if someone has access to firearms or access to pills, um, that is also a higher risk. 
and then someone who has a serious or chronic medical illness. And, uh, of course, now with coronavirus, that is even more of a risk factor because people with an underlying illness feel as though they um, will be more likely to die from coronavirus. Then men are more... um, more women than men attempt suicide, but men are four times more likely to actually have a successful t- suicide, to die by suicide. Then if a person has a history of trauma or abuse, they are at a higher risk for suicide. If someone is under prolonged stress, which of course is what we have here, or isolation, which of course is what we have here, and then people who are younger than 24 or older than 65 are at a higher risk for suicide. So, again, um, for people over 65, you know, they've been brainwashed to think that they're going to die. They've been brainwashed to think that they're more likely to die um, than the average person. And so that would be a reason why they might be more prone to commit suicide. Um, a recent tragedy or loss. Well, obviously, we're all suffering the tragedy of coronavirus. And then agitation and sleep deprivation. Well, you know that um, there are lots of people in isolation who are feeling very ab- agitated, pacing the floor and so on, and being sleep-deprived because people are waking up in the middle of the night and turning on the television set. The suicidal thoughts can be prevented and treated. Of course, the best prevention for it is um, other people, is friends, family, people who care about you, being with them. And, of course, under isolation, you know, you may not be with somebody. um, You may be alone. But there are ways, of course, for reaching out and always being in touch with people, which is a super important thing to do in isolation, to make sure you are reaching out uh, to people you care about and to help them and also to help yourself. But then the treatment for depression and suicidal thoughts is normally psychotherapy and medication. And so um, medication, if there is underlying depression or anxiety or PTSD or whatever psychological problem is underlying these suicidal thoughts, um, if there is something underlying it, a psychological problem, it doesn't ha- you don't have to have an underlying psychological problem, especially under these circumstances, to suddenly decide to have suicidal thoughts. So psychotherapy and medication. So how do you do that now? Well... Um, There are some therapists, you can go online, there are some therapists doing therapy online, Um, but of course the best thing to do is to call the National Suicide Hotline, and I'm going to give you that number. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-TALK, 1-800-273. I'm sorry, what am I saying? Oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. I want to make sure I get this right. Um, 1-800-273-TALK. So that's 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255 or 273-TALK, T-A-L-K. And then, of course, um, you can reach out and tell someone, call someone if you're, you know, feeling imminently suicidal or it doesn't even have to be imminent. Um, call someone, as I said, but tell somebody, you know, how, 
tell, be honest with whoever you call and tell them um, how serious it is, how seriously you're thinking about this. Uh, friend, family, the hotline that I gave you. Then you can call your family doctor, ask for a referral to a psychiatrist um, who perhaps could would come to see you, or although... I mean, I guess maybe not uh, Not many under these circumstances. Um, or they would do therapy with you online. Um, you can also go to an emergency room. If it is really imminent, just go to an emergency room. And similarly, if it is really imminent and you can't get to an emergency room, then call 911. Well, I hope um, understanding the reasons why you might be having uh, covicide or might be feeling like committing covicide uh, will help you to realize that these are time-limited things. You know, they say that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. I mean, coronavirus, we don't know how long it's going to be. I think it's going to be less than what the naysayers and doomsayers are, were saying, are saying, but um, it will be, it will end at some point. So you don't want to uh, resort to a permanent solution like cobicide for something that will ultimately end and where you will ultimately be able to find a solution to whatever the problems are that you are most worried about. So thank you for listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 